Welcome to another episode. My name is Andre Wright, and uh, I'm excited for this episode. I have my my expert uh, guest today, Mr. Bill Johnson, has over 21 years of experience in the industry and uh, career revenue over 1.5 billion. So, Mr. Phil Johnson, I'm excited to talk to you today. How are you? I am great, Andre. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you, thank you. So, just to uh, you know, dive in, I want you to tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you started. Well, I've been uh, an executive coach um, all over the world for the last 21 years. Um, I've helped uh, executives and organizations achieve uh, better results by helping to develop their their leadership and emotional intelligence. And it's actually a personal journey I've been on for uh, for the last 54 years. I am um, I'm just turned 68, but I've been on this path um, since January of 1968, with a short 20-year diversion into the into the uh, semiconductor industry. Wow, that's a that's a long time and and, and a wealth of experience. So uh, obviously, I, uh, you know, you can definitely give our audience some great nuggets and and how and even for the healthcare practitioners that are listening and uh, and watching how they can actually scale their business. I just want you to get your thought uh, on where the healthcare uh, industry is now and 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 uh, what doctors should be doing to scale their practices. The healthcare industry is facing a lot of challenges, and uh, that's creating increasing amounts of drama and chaos that's leading to burnout and practice, practitioner shortage, not only at the, uh, at the doctor level, but at the, uh, at the nurse level as well. And um, it's not getting better. So um, there's, a, there's a root cause solution that can help them dramatically which I, I, I'm assuming we're going to be, we're going to want to talk about during this podcast. Of course, of course, yeah. And and before before that's a that's a good good uh, uh, kind of segue. So before we, we started, you know, uh, I know you you wrote an article uh, about you know healthcare and burnout and and uh, and the the negative impacts. So I want you to dive a little bit more and and expand on that for for uh, our audience. Yeah, we're. Um... In, in a larger global sense, we're facing a tsunami of accelerating change. And we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Um, and especially in the healthcare industry, uh, there's an increasing amount of drama and chaos resulting from change. Practitioners are being forced to do a lot of what I refer to as emotional labor that's moving them outside of their comfort zone. And they really need to be focusing on the development of their emotional intelligence to be able to deal with the uh, the anxiety, the fear and anxiety that's produced um, by the accelerating rate of change we're seeing. And it's not just in the, in the medical industry, it's a, uh, it's in every industry. We're all, we're all being ripped outside of our comfort zone, um, and that's creating cre- increasing amounts of 
drama, chaos, and conflict everywhere. So typically, individuals with high IQs have low EQs because it's really been their their ability to do intellectual labor has been their primary go-to um, in order to get better results. So we tend to run to our strength and away, away from our weakness. And our educational system and our employment system haven't really helped us to develop our emotional intelligence. And we need it now and going forward more than ever. We're facing in this century what some scientists have estimated had the equivalent of um, 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change. So change is increasing at an exponential rate. And we've got that 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. So the, the development of our emotional intelligence is essential to our ability to feel the anxiety that change and innovation creates in us and move through it towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to control us. Fantastic. So, uh, you know, a, a, a healthcare practitioner is listening and and, there's, and, and uh, he or she is saying, well, Phil, yes, but what are some of the things uh, that I can do now to combat this? I want to focus on things that will cause us to be more present and see our, our egos never want us to be present. They want us to feel less than or better than, but never equal to. So our ego is always trying to pull us out of the present moment and anything we can do to focus on being present more often will help to reduce the drama and the chaos and enable us to provide better service to our, to our, to the people we're, we're caring for. And that's true. That's true. And obviously better service would me would, would lead to, you know, uh, you know, more customers and, and, and more patients for the practice and yeah. eventually yeah. more revenue. The, um, the current level of employee engagement worldwide, according to Gallup, is roughly about 13%. Um, so that let, let's just take an example. Um, let's say you're a company that's got 10,000 employees and the loaded labor rate per employee is $100,000 a year. That company's spending a billion dollars a year on compensation. And if the level of employee engagement is 13%, they're wasting $870 million a year. So they've got to spend a, a billion dollars a year for $130 million worth of effort. And there's almost a one-to-one -one correlation between the level of employee engagement and the level of customer engagement or patient engagement. So that if, you're, if your caregivers aren't engaged, then neither are the people that they're caring for. Um, so the development of our emotional intelligence will help to raise the level of engagement and, in, and generate remarkable results. Of course. Um, in levels of service, 
and business. Of course, of course. And emotional intelligence, as you, as you, uh, you know, clearly uh, uh, discuss, is a it's it's a big part of it. But uh, I know you've been uh, a, a coach for many years, and and you've you've uh, accounted for billions of dollars in revenue. So if if some doctors or healthcare practitioners they're listening and they're like, you know what, um, Phil, my practice is struggling. I need uh, to find some ways to scale it, uh, some other ways to scale the, the practice right now. What are some of the strategies that you could posit now that they could they could grab a hold of and, and, and help their practices? Let me give you an example of a company doing a uh, over a trillion dollars a year in revenue. And how emotional intelligence is helping that to occur. That Apple, that company is Apple. If you go into an Apple store, which I'm sure probably all of your listeners have done, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. Their whole hiring process is geared towards people um, that have above average levels of emotional intelligence. They're less concerned about what you know about their products and services. They can teach you that. What they're really looking for is high levels of emotional intelligence. So when you go into an Apple store, they're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and if possible, provide a solution that can help you with that pain. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary. They want you to have a great experience. And maybe when you go away, you'll tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. That's something referred to as a trust economy. Um, So developing your emotional intelligence enables you to build deep, trusted advisor relationships with the people you're serving, both inside and outside of the organization. And that inspires others to wanna, want you to succeed. They, they become your sales organization. They become your, your referral organization. The, the thing I was mentioning about the trust economy is that because the rate of global change is is increasing exponentially, uh, it's forcing us to rely more and more on our network of trusted advisors. And that economy is currently estimated at over $10 trillion a year. And it's growing much faster than the traditional economy. So the greatest asset you have is your network of trusted advisors. And the only way you can really build that trust is by learning to lower your walls, uh, by learning to become more emotionally intelligent. And there's there's an underlying energy physics to all of this that makes the results as predictable and quantifiable as any any physical science. But I won't won't overwhelm your listeners with that uh, today. The emotional intelligence industry is going to become a multi-trillion dollar a year industry. 
because it represents a critical part of our development that we never got in our educational system and in our employment system. And because of the accelerating rate of global change and our biological resistance to change, um, we need the development of our emotional intelligence more than ever. Here's a, here's a quick analogy. There's a part of our brain called the amygdala. And whenever it sees us leaving our comfort zone, it secretes a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol, cause the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex to shut off. And we typically go into some type of fight, flight, or freeze mode. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, people die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. You burn trust. So if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that innovation and change creates in us and move through it towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to control us. And in the medical industry, especially over the last couple of years, uh, there's been increasing levels of burnout because practitioners aren't equipped to handle the accelerating rate of drama, chaos, and conflict that's that's occurring. Um, so the development of emotional intelligence is really the key. As a matter of fact, for, for med school now, the MCAT exam now includes a uh, much more of an emphasis on emotional intelligence. So they're not just looking for kids that have high IQs that nobody can work with, um, but they they're looking for people that have a have a an above average level of emotional intelligence. Yeah, to that's even to even get into the medical profession. Mm, interesting, and uh, Phil, what you're what you're discussing is it's uh, it's it's spot on because what you're finding out now, even things like you know reviews, you know uh, doing a review for a specific doctor, you'll find that you know people are more likely to go to that doctor because you know what people are saying. So it goes back to the emotional intelligence, you know, want to be a part of that uh, success. I want to, you know, know more about that doctor because other people are, are saying it. So if, if I understand clearly what you're, you're, you're saying about emotional intelligence and what doctors can do now is to, uh, they need to take down the, their, their walls, bring down their walls, you know, be open. They, uh, they need to add... Emotional intelligence, the development of our emotions, our ability to do intellectual labor is largely genetic. Not everybody can have 160 IQ. If, you, if you're very bright intellectually, so are your parents, and so are their parents, and that's great. Um, but the development of our emotional intelligence creates results that are 400% greater than intellectual intelligence at all. So you think of it, think of it like an iceberg. The one tenth of the iceberg sticking above the water is our ability, is IQ, our ability to do intellectual labor. The nine tenths under the water is our is EQ, our ability to do emotional labor, our ability to feel anxiety, fear, and move through it, and keeping our walls down to reduce the drama, chaos, and conflict 
as opposed to allowing that to increase our walls. Um, so the development of our emotional intelligence is a critical part of our evolution that's missing. And because of the accelerating rate of global change, we, we're going to need it now and going forward more than ever. And it's harder than hell to develop. There's significant both biological and sociological resistance to change. Um, but it's like money in the bank. It's the best thing you can do to ensure your career success <clears throat> along with your ability to serve the people you're, you're, you need to be serving. So it's not a solution to the challenges we face. It's the only solution to the challenges we face. And as time goes on, and as the rate of change continues to accelerate, um, you're going to see that more and more. We're dealing with things like global change and CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology and AI and other pandemics. We literally have a massive amount of change coming at us, and we need to be developing our emotional intelligence to be able to navigate our way through the anxiety that that's going to produce in all of us, not just medical practitioners, all of us. Agreed, agreed. Uh, that the, these are great points on emotional intelligence and, and uh, the importance of it in today's uh, society. Yep. So Phil, I want you to, uh, I want you to uh, tell us, what is the, uh, from your perspective, what is the biggest misconception of, uh, about scaling a business or practice? Uh, biggest misconception that you're not in control of that happening, that um, there are outside forces determining your success. And really, with the development of emotional intelligence, you can literally learn to outcare your competition. You can develop deeper, more trusted advisor relationships with your clients than your competitors. Unless your competitors have your level of your level of emotional intelligence or greater, they can't go, they can't take their relationship to a deep enough to a to a deeper level than you can. See, we've got a uh, <clears throat> bent towards fear. We're more concerned about things that might want to eat us than help us. We tend to burn trust at a rate of five to seven times faster than we can earn trust. So what that means, roughly, is if you're if you're 10 of the time, you're actually burning trust in the relationships you're trying to nurture. Does that make sense? No, no, you're, you're, uh, that, that's, that's clear. That's clear. And, uh, you know, we, and, and, and that's a great example in terms of the misconception because uh, as the saying goes, people do business who they like, know, and trust, right? So if we can develop that, that, that emotional intelligence where uh, we, we, we do everything, uh, possible to ensure that the, the customer is taken care of and uh, and they trust us, you know, then that customer is going to want to stay with us, 
You know, I, I see that in even my own my own business. You know, I, I take care of the customer, and then eventually everything else will will, will fall in in place. Yeah, we have this. We have these because we've evolved from Hertz. Um, because we live in a society, it's become essential for us to be able to determine who's trying to help us and who's trying to hurt us. So we have all these specialized brain cells that scientists call mirror neurons. I call them bullshit meters. Um, that's how you, when you walk into a room, you get a sense of the energy in the room. You get a sense when you're talking with somebody, you get a sense of whether they're trying to help you or not. So you can't fake being authentic. Um, so really what that means is you've got to, you've got to develop habits that enable you to become less resistive, less judgmental, less attached to outcome. You've got to develop habits that enable you to lower your walls. And as you do that, it will automatically create a level of trust, a level of attraction in other people towards you. That's great. That's great. And Phil, man, we, we, we could talk all day. I can't believe you know, the time we're, we're winding down already. But uh, I know we never uh, touch a, li- a lot on your business, uh, Master in Business Leadership. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your business and, and uh, what are the verticals that you deal with? Uh, the, the MBL program is, a, is a initially a, a, tw- a 16-week, four-month process where I give people the tools and the micro skills necessary to to do what we've been talking about here. Um, But there are are people, organizations that I've been coaching for over 12 years because the ROI keeps keeps getting greater and greater. Actually, it increases exponentially um, over time as you you practice, as you master these uh, these skills, these habits and micro skills. so there. Hmm. So uh, and and if uh, a healthcare practitioner is listening and uh, and they would say, hey, but Phil, there are a lot of coaches out there. What differentiates you from the competition? Why okay. should we choose you? Results. I've been on this path for fifty-four years, and the results are remarkable. I've got all sorts of testimonials and videos and tangible results. I've helped organizations generate hundreds of millions of dollars and people advance in their careers. Results. You cannot go through this process and do the do the work that's involved and not get better results. It increases exponentially over time. So going through this because it's essentially energy physics and I've been proving that thesis over the last 21 years. Um, so if you want to ensure that the rest of your life is the best of your life, uh, this is the way to do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and, and Phil, for, uh, for listeners, how can they find you online? Best way to reach me is through uh, my uh, LinkedIn profile. And I've got a, uh, a link to my calendar on there. If anybody wants to jump on a Zoom call and have a chat, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you again for taking the opportunity to talk with me and uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. 
Andres, uh, thank you for the honor of being on your show. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Please visit our website at yourcompanyhealth.com. Also, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at Your Company Health. And lastly, subscribe to our YouTube channel for new episodes and highlights. Until next time, stay safe.